Okay, Michael, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Glad to be here. Uh, looking forward to uh, possibly seeing you in person uh, in a couple of days at ASU GSV. Congratulations on your semifinalist award with the, uh, the, the GSV Elite. Thank you. We're excited to uh, go meet some people in person for a change and uh, start networking um, our way into this uh, EdTech ecosystem. Well, tell us a little bit about SLU and about where it got started and how you kind of developed technologies and work during a, a, a pandemic. How do you get to this point where you're being selected uh, for something like this while you know the world burns? Well, we've always been a virtual organization, so it didn't change anything about the way we operate. Um, we have telescopes all over the world um, that schools and families can uh, log into and control. And, you know, we're, we're basically enabling space exploration in the classroom, which has been very difficult, um, you know, heretofore because most schools are in light polluted areas. They really can't have their own observatory. And it's not very practical to imagine students and kids and parents coming back at night to do astronomy, even if they did happen to be in good areas to do it. So, we're enabling uh, the study of astronomy and tying it into the curriculum with online robotic telescopes, which are currently in the Canary Islands and in Chile. We're building new observatories in the Middle East and in India for 24-hour coverage of the night sky. And our personnel are scattered all over the world. And, um, you know, when you're running a 24-hour telescope network, you know, somebody's working somewhere all the time. Um, so, you know, we really weren't stopped at all by, by the way the pandemic played out. And in fact, of course, it's led to much more digital curriculum adoption in schools. I think a lot of schools are recognizing they're not going back. And in fact, um, you know, what's unique about what we're doing is, you know, a lot of curriculum is being digitized, you know, analog curriculum being digitized by the big players our opportunity is that there really wasn't a way to do this kind of space exploration previously. It really can only happen in this sort of digital networked world. And so the fact that everyone has woken up and said, wow, we're going to be living on these devices more. What else can we do? Are there curriculum sort of native digital native curriculum applications out there, you know, that are clearly designed for this world? And in fact, that's what SLU is. Um, and what's great about it, too, is this is actually the way professional astronomers explore space. They don't put their eye to a little eyepiece. They're actually controlling these telescopes via computer interface. And so we're giving students an opportunity to do it just like the pros do. That's really great. And it's just such a um, cool <laughs> innovation and idea. And one of the one of the great parts about the ASU GSV show, I think, is, is you have so many uh, companies like your own, which is there, it's it's in the early stages, it's in the startup, uh, with just these these you know kind of radical, innovative ideas and, that can really shake up a science class. But there's a long journey, right? I mean, between where you had that startup to where this could actually be, say, implemented as baked into the science curriculum of Los Angeles School District. Talk, talk a little bit about where you see that journey and where your hopes are of, of how that would go. Great. Yeah, thank you. So, um, you know, we're at the stage where we've been very focused on the product experience. And, you know, everyone in the organization, astronomers and software engineers, we've really been crafting this product experience 
and lining up, you know, our sort of our early adopter teachers and students in schools. We've been at this now with the curriculum for two years. We got a grant from the National Science Foundation a few years ago. And, you know, we've got about 500 schools and teachers and about 5,000 students. And that's a very healthy iterative process for us to learn from them and see how they're using it and, and get into the process of proving student outcomes. And we got to this point, we're like, okay, we, we got it. We know it works. Now, how are we going to navigate the labyrinth of how to get into these school systems? And that's why I'm excited to go to this conference, because we really feel that the best way for this to, to work for us is to align with other players who are already delivering digital curriculum into these school ecosystems and for us to figure out how to plug into them. You know, the, the bureaucracy of getting into a school is tremendous. The incumbents, you know, have a great advantage. They've been selling products for, you know, 100 years to these schools. And so, you know, our game is now to figure out which or uh, maybe it's many players that will want to incorporate, you know, what we're doing. And I think the way I see the ed tech market evolving is, you know, already seeing some consolidation where, some players have learning management systems and they're starting to buy curriculum or plug curriculum into it. You can imagine from the school's point of view, it's like how many clicks can you expect a teacher and these students to go through? There's just so much brain damage in, you know, clicking around and registering and dealing with assignments and assessments and all this sort of stuff. So it really is about interoperability. And that's why we want to come to this conference, figure out, you know, where is this consolidation happening? Clearly, we're unique. You know, we're not like there's 500 reading apps and 5,000 math apps. You know, we're really the, the, the best to breed, maybe the only game in town in terms of enabling space exploration. So it's a matter of trying to plug into these, these players and see who's going to emerge and get to a place where it's just two clicks and a teacher can be exploring space and not necessarily having to deal directly with us um, as an organization. Right. And uh, I think a lot of that's going to have to do with um, teacher agency and their ability to kind of use your tool, right? Versus maybe them being subscribed to some sort of uh, piece of curriculum that, you know, they have to use it whether they like it or not. Uh, and the other thing that comes to mind for me is like the difference between a, a top-down adaptation versus a bottoms-up. And it seems that you have that opportunity to be kind of bottoms-up that you just can can – faculty members to sign up for it without it being like a, a district tool right now? Absolutely. Um, teachers can come in and, and get access to the platform. And what's included in, in what they get to start is professional development, because we have to really train teachers on how to do this. And really, our MO is not just to hit science teachers, but to actually hit non-science teachers who can incorporate uh, space exploration and all the inspiration that comes with it um, into a lot of different subjects they teach, including, you know, reading and, and, and art and math, um, as well as computer science and science. And so getting that fourth and fifth grade homeroom teacher, that middle school science teacher, really all the way up to college 101 is where, you know, is the markets that we serve. Um, but getting that teacher in on their own first, letting them learn how to use the, the product and do it from the front of the classroom. And then start to look at how to enable the students to have access on their own. Part of the magic of the platform is the affordability. Um, it's, it's only $15 per student per year. 
And so it's, it's because it's a, a social experience. It's a community experience. We have all these telescopes, but the beauty of this is that you're not looking up into space alone. You're actually doing it with other people. And when you point the telescope somewhere, other people can choose to go on that mission with you and collect that data. And so there's this sense of celestial synchronicity. There's a goodwill aspect that comes with that, that, you know, hey, we're all kind of earthlings here looking up into space together. You know, what are we learning about that together? What what implications does that have for our own, you know, camaraderie here on Earth? Yeah. Um, but it it also is is key to the scalability. We can really have an unlimited number of students exploring space and um and the system won't break down because everyone's you know exploring together. Sounds like you might be able to tick a couple uh geography boxes too in terms of curriculum where uh, with the worldwide installations, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, a, a lot of kids have a tough time with time zones and just yeah. getting this idea. And it's important part of um, executive function of, hey, I have to do some homework. I got to get this assignment done in a few days. I need to capture an image of the moon. You know, you have to realize that this isn't like doing a Google search and go and grab a picture of the moon, which, you know, you have no relationship with that image. You had no, you had to do nothing to get it. In this case, you have to, you know, be aware that hey, where is the moon in the night sky? When's it rising? Is the weather clear in the Canary Islands? What's the time zone shift? And all those sorts of things that mean capturing the image, sort of a personal, you know, accomplishment, you feel some connection to it. And of course, we as a part of the process are training your mind's eye to see what's in that image. And I think too Mm -hmm. often you just look at these amazing images of space and, oh my God, that's so cool. But after you look at 10 of them, you're like, okay, they're all cool, but I don't really know what I'm looking at. This is very different in that you you really have to understand what it is you're looking at and how the whole night sky works in order to capture that image. And then once you do, it stays with you and you value it. And I think also it's just so important for all of these students, my children included, they're so used to simulation and animation and everything's on demand when you want it. And in fact, in this case, you're controlling these instruments that are real world and there are all these variables you have to master in order to get what you want out of it. And that I think is, is important critical thinking that comes with, with using it. Yeah. You know, I think one of the biggest obstacles between a really cool tool and service that you have and my example of, you know, it being baked into a curriculum is the assessment piece, right? I mean, the, the Let's just talk about US K-12, you know, obsessed with high stakes testing, uh, somehow meeting state standards. Uh, and how do you see your product and services being able to uh, adapt to that bureaucracy that you mentioned before? Yeah, so um, assessment is baked into the platform. And when you go through our Quest learning activities, they are step by step. Um, not only, you know, guiding you to go control the telescope, but all the things you need to learn about what it is you're doing and why we're collecting this data and how you're going to analyze this data. And there's all kinds of questions as a part of that. And you have to answer them. And some of them are multiple choice and some of them are open-ended. And then your teacher has the opportunity to assess your work right on the platform. And in fact, there are gravity points that you earn on SLU. So the, the whole socialization is gamified. You get gravity points for learning and sharing what you've learned. And so when you go through an exercise like a quest, in order to earn the badge, you have to complete the quest and you'll get a certain number of gravity points, but that number will be dependent 
on what your teacher says in terms of how well you answered some of these questions. And then in addition to that, um, it's aligned with NGSS standards and other aspects of the core curriculum so that, you know, again, a fifth grade homeroom teacher can say, hey, I want to make space to theme this year and I'm going to use it when we talk about poetry and we're going to study Tennyson and I'm going to do art and we're going to look at Van Gogh and we're going to see all the amazing content that's inspired by space. Um, and of course, all of their kids are inspired by space. It's like fundamental human nature to be curious, you know, what's out there? What are we all doing here? So it's a great way to sort of backdoor into the sciences and STEM activities. And, you know, clearly our biggest challenge, though, is that astronomy is not, you know, on the curriculum as much as other subjects. So that's why we have to creatively overlay it with other things that that are being studied. Yeah. Uh, as a as a, as a wind up here, um, all things going well. Funding continues to go into schools. Schools continue to keep a lot of the best practices that we learned like during the pandemic in terms of remote learning. And uh, your tool continues to be uh, adopted. Where do you see SLU in, in, in two or three years? Well, um, ideally, we would have a worldwide community. Um, so that's the beauty also of space. Everyone's curious about it. Doesn't matter who you are. We have traction in places like India. Um, we have pilot programs going there. That's what's led to um, the opportunity to build an observatory in the Himalayas. We have a partnership in the United Arab Emirates, and we're translating SLU into Arabic with our partner there and building an observatory there. So our dream for SLU is this you know, amazing worldwide community of earthlings exploring space together. And what a wonderful way for a child to wake up you know, and have their first experience exploring space and realizing they're doing it with, you know, students from all over the world and they're all sharing their perspective. And um, and then we would hopefully chip away at the bureaucracy to say, wow, this deserves more time on the curriculum. You know, let's add it to the standards. Let's figure out ways that we can incorporate this because now there's a tool that actually enables it. And I, and I can't underscore enough how hard it has been historically to do it's just really difficult to go try to operate your own telescope in 99% of the places where schools are. So now that they have this opportunity and the digital ed tech revolution is here, you know, hopefully this leads to massive scale. And, and, and I just want to add too, there, there are now jobs in the space industry, you know, before, you know, we're studying chemistry and biology because there are vocational tracks. Well, now there is a vocational track, you know, in the space industry, investment in the space industry is at all time high and growing. We all wake up every day to these new stories of people going into space and projects in space. And so if we're going to get kids an opportunity to get in on that, they need to start studying it early. And uh, and given that most kids live in light polluted areas, they almost have no awareness of the night sky. And that's yeah. particularly harsh for disadvantaged kids who don't really have the opportunity to leave urban areas. So they almost never see the night sky in all its glory. Well, hopefully with something like SLU, they can they can do that. Yeah, Michael, great stuff. Uh, really, uh, really interesting and positive and, uh, you know, good luck uh, in the event and hope to see you in person uh, in San Diego in a couple of days. So I appreciate your time once again. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. Definitely uh, let's connect and thank you so much.